This podcast is a production of the Berkshire Argus. Important stories fully told. My name's Nikki Wilson, and I'm the president of the board of the newly formed nonprofit Triplex Cinema Inc. And I am Ben Elliott. I am the managing director of Triplex Cinema Inc. to save the triplex we will do whatever it takes i really want to make sure that as soon as you walk in you understand what we've been missing this summer with the theater being closed just giving you a top of the line theatrical experience five months later we own the theater we have over a thousand donors we've raised almost eight hundred thousand dollars i truly believe that the success of this theater will play a big part in the success of this town Hi, everyone. This is Bill Shine from the Berkshire Argus. In the fall of 2022, news broke that the Triplex Movie Theater, a four-screen cinema that has been at the heart of the Berkshire's community of Great Barrington for more than a quarter century, was about to be sold. Richard Stanley, the local real estate developer who built the Triplex in the mid-1990s, was in discussions to sell the theater to Cinema Lab, a New Jersey-based company with plans to renovate and expand the theater with new amenities to bring audiences back as the COVID pandemic eased. But that deal didn't happen. And by late March of this year, Stanley announced that the theater could close permanently in June, following the Berkshire International Film Festival. Residents across the southern Berkshires were concerned that without the triplex, the impact on the local economy, not to mention the loss of an important cultural institution, would be substantial. Almost immediately, Nikki Wilson, a longtime Great Barrington resident who has worked in theater and the arts for decades, convened groups of friends and neighbors in her living room to explore what might be done. And in a remarkable example of volunteer community action, within weeks, a new nonprofit organization sprung up to save the theater by acquiring and running it, much as other movie theaters across the region have sought to remain in business by transforming themselves into community-supported nonprofits. Initial funds were quickly raised through direct appeals, a GoFundMe campaign, and money from the sale of prints donated by the photographer Gregory Crudson. In late July, the transaction closed for $1 million. To help the project along and preserve the theater for the community, Stanley agreed to hold a five-year, $800,000 mortgage at what Wilson says is an attractive interest rate. Fundraising, renovations and upgrades, and an exploration of what programming will bring audiences into the theater are all underway among various board and advisory committees, volunteers, and two full-time paid staff members. In this podcast episode, I spoke with Wilson, who today is president of the board of directors of the new Triplex nonprofit, and Ben Elliott, who this summer became the theater's managing director. Elliot, who also serves on the Great Barrington Select Board, is a Great Barrington native who grew up seeing an eclectic mix of movies at the Triplex. He says the theater had a powerful impact on the direction of his life and inspired him to head off to film school and pursue a creative career. As you'll hear, he and his wife also had their first date at the Triplex, and he reminded me that years ago, we bumped into each other in the lobby, both of us sobbing after screening a very moving film a testament to what you'll hear him describe as the power of the theater-going experience. 
Wilson and Elliot are enthusiastic and optimistic about what's next, but acknowledge there is much work and years of fundraising still to come. Ideas in the mix include diverse programming that offers blockbuster fare alongside independent and arthouse films, and eventually making the sizable patio outside the theater a place for gathering, for food and discussion about what patrons have just seen on the screens inside. Elliot told me the Triplex is aiming for a soft reopening in November and to be fully operational in time for the holidays. Our conversation runs for about 55 minutes. So let, let's start in reverse. What does success for the Triplex look like uh, a year from now, three years from now, five years from now? Success looks like being open. My dream is to get back to a seven-day schedule. I really, I think, you know, that having showings at different times for people who have different schedules, we have a diverse audience in this community and some people work on the weekends so just like having those monday and tuesday schedules back up and running and that's with a expanding our staff right now we only have two full-time staff members but to expand our full-time staff our part-time staff to be a strong job provider for the community and then as far as programming we have a lot of ideas right now and so it's over the next five years it's to see how realistic those ideas are and to make sure that we're, we're doing it in a sustainable way that we're really providing the community what they need and what they're looking for in a theater. Um, but we're really focused on maintaining the core of what people think of when they think of the triplex as being a home for the new releases that they want to see, the independent art and, and foreign films that they really, that I think that was kind of part of the original brand. Um, as well as expanding this as a resource for film education and just kind of being a place for the community to come together and talk about different issues that we're facing and the way that film can be a mirror for that. So having a really expanding programming slate that provides all of that for the Southern Berkshire community. And what do you think, Nikki? And what, uh, you know, I guess to, to expand on, on that last uh, thought that, that Ben had, what, what will that success uh, mean for the Great Barrington community and for the Southern Berkshires more broadly? First of all, let's just begin with the triplex was for a long time the hub of Great Barrington and also for South County. People would come into town, they'd go out to dinner, then they come to the movies and it was just a way of life or you went to the movies and then you went to SoCo and you had an ice cream. What I see, um, everything what Ben is saying, and there's also going to be an excitement, I feel, about being downtown again. I feel that's a little bit been evaporated uh, since COVID started. And as it turns out, the main part of COVID has kind of gone away, though we all know that it's still here, probably forever, on a lower level. But we haven't really recaptured that um, energy that was in Great Barrington before COVID started. And I think having new ownership, having um, people of all ages working together as volunteers to launch the new triplex is going to bring a kind of, do I dare say, electricity to the area that we haven't felt for a long time. And I would add that our programming, which we're right in the middle of forming now, is we want to have shows for children, Saturday morning shows maybe for free, and themed movie nights for teenagers that it's Halloween month that they can come see scary movies with their friends and then go 
get something to eat afterwards and special curated films for the older set. One of our ideas is to bring back the greatest hits of the triplex. There's a lot of thought going into this right now, and we've got several committees that are working hard on it. I just met with a co- with an educational committee talking about what things they could bring to the triplex so that we'll be like the triplex of old, except more yeah. hmm. for the community. Yeah, really expanding the offerings and, and, and finding a way to engage with everyone and make sure that we're incorporating the feedback from the community too as we move forward. We want to be a strong community partner and have that inform our programming and our brand. Yeah, I saw that uh, earlier in the summer you uh, hosted a meeting with uh, with local businesses mm-hmm. to explore those kinds of uh, opportunities for partnerships and collaboration. What the, how, how did that go? What did you learn there? I think the biggest thing that we learned is that businesses are looking for us to come back. You know, it's just like... You look at the last 30 years of Great Barrington and the opening of the triplex really brought in a new era for this town. And I think a lot of the businesses that are here today, that the triplex set that path that kind of allowed them to be here. Um, And we need to get it back. I think we're we're kind of at a turning point for this town. And I think this new nonprofit model is going to be a really great way to provide services and, and programming that wasn't available before and kind of really expand what it means to be in downtown. But yeah, number one is just have an attraction open on a regular schedule that brings foot traffic downtown to restaurants, to businesses. So there's been a real eagerness in the business community for us to get back open and, and be able to be a partner with all of the surrounding businesses. How long ago was the uh, the schedule changed? Uh, you said that you want to be open seven days a week. Was it during COVID that, uh, that things were dialed back earlier in the week? Or how, how did that play out? And Well, they cl- actually closed down <clears throat> for a year and a half. Uh, so there was no movies at all. And then when they reopened, I believe it was five days a week. And just the late afternoon or the evening movie, I think. There were no more matinees. I think they also they stopped doing 9 p.m. showings on the weekends as well. And you know, it's been, it was a real reduction. It's a vicious circle, too, where it's just kind of like they stopped offering as much. That I think people stopped being able to, you know, I know for me, like whenever I wanted to go see a movie, you know, I have a two-year-old, so it's just like I get her to bed at 7. I need a 9 p.m. You know, to get my babysitter in place to then go out. But there's just those late-night screenings weren't there anymore. Yeah. We were really hoping to meet people where they are with our, our programming and our scheduling. And on the, uh, the, the nonprofit model, there's certainly been coverage about how uh, you know, many people think that's, uh, that's the way forward, mm-hmm. um, given the impact from COVID, but also the, the change in the, in the streaming era. Um, what, what have you learned from the other nonprofit theaters uh, in the region? Uh, the Movie House in Millerton, mm-hmm. uh, Images up in Williamstown, um, the, the Crandall yeah. over in Chatham. What, yeah. the, what, are, what are the lessons learned there? Yeah, I, I talked to the manager at the Movie House, I think, three days ago. I'm talking to the executive director of Images on Monday. So we're trying to establish these relationships. One of the great things about this industry right now is that it, it's not cutthroat. You know, we're all in the same boat. You know, and there's an organization called the Art House Convergence. That it's a collection of people in the industry, in the art house industry across the country, just sharing resources. So it's really, it's just like we want to see each other survive and we want to see each other thrive. So it's been great to establish these relationships and talk to them and kind of learn what's worked for them and get an idea of what might work for us. Because you know, I do, as, as much as I admire all of the cinemas in the area, I think we have a real opportunity to be something different too, to kind of like, you know, serve a different part of the audience a little bit and provide a some programming that hasn't been there traditionally. So it's, it's really exciting. 
So let me uh, offer a little full disclosure first. Actually, I guess this isn't first. Now that we're a few <laughs> minutes in. <clears throat> the three of us worked together yeah. 13 years ago on a, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> that, that same reaction. So 13 years ago, we uh, collaborated on a production of the play A Thousand Clowns at a theater that Nikki had just established called New Stage in Pittsfield, along with John Valenti, who yeah. is the former longtime manager here at the Triplex, who is on your advisory board. Mm-hmm. Full board. Full board now. He was, he's now on the full board. Oh, great. Yes. And what I wanted to ask you about was the, uh, you also booked the upstairs at the Triplex for a couple of years and mm-hmm. more full disclosure, I was in a couple of those shows, <laughs> did some comedy shows there. <laughs> That's correct. Um, so you had some relationship with the former owner, Richard Stanley. And how, how did that play into what unfolded beginning last fall? So just for, for context, Uh, There was an announcement last November that Richard was in talks to sell the theater to a a New Jersey-based film organization that wanted to to renovate and relaunch the theater. Uh, That didn't pan out. So maybe you could uh, walk me through the history from there. All right. Well, first of all, thank God I used to book Upstairs Live at the Triplex, which is, I think, part of the reason why we're sitting here today, because a lot had to do with the relationship with Richard that enabled us to be able to eventually get the theater. I don't believe any of us were really following the story back last fall. I think there was this vague kind of knowledge that Cinema Lab was looking to buy it, but there wasn't really that much press about it until the end of March. And then in the end of March, suddenly there was a small newspaper article that said that the triplex was going to close because the talks between Cinema Lab and uh, Richard Stanley had pretty much fallen through. And the theater was due to close at the end of BIF, which would have been June 4th. And so suddenly, all of us who had been asleep at the wheel, so to speak, sat up and thought, wait, 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 are they talking about us not having a movie theater in downtown Great Barrington? And I, for one, moved to Great Barrington because they were building a movie theater in 1995. So the idea that I would live in a town or even a community that didn't have a movie theater was just anathema to me. I could not imagine it. I couldn't conceive it. And so at that time, I reached out to Richard, a friend, uh, a, a former actress at New Stage, had sent me an email and said, you know Richard. Can you get involved with this because the triplex is closing? And that was like the little extra impetus for me to reach out to Richard and say, what can we do? And I won't go into all the great detail at that time because at that moment, Cinema Lab was still trying to get the community now to raise money to help seal the deal with Richard. So I um, live on the hill and there is a blog, uh, like a bulletin board that you can put out a message. And I invited all my neighbors to come and sit in my living room on April 1st and April 2nd. So 25 came on the 1st, 25 came on the 2nd. And the decision was, um, did we A, want to raise money and give it to the people who were out of town and not at the community. And we did a great deal of research on them and thought this might not be the best way to go. And then the next choice was just let the theater close. And then the third choice was that we all band together, work like crazy, 
as a group of volunteers and see if there was any way we could possibly generate enough enthusiasm to save the triplex. The rest is history. It makes me emotional to think about it because five months later, we own the theater, we have over a thousand donors, we've raised almost $800,000, and we've got a great board. We have terrific fundraising committee, programming committee, people who are really interested in bringing the best that we possibly can to the community. So that is, I have to say, I've always loved my community, but now I don't think there's a community anywhere like this. It's been shocking to all of us who've been in there since April 1st how much enthusiasm and uh, the spirit of volunteering to do anything, whatever, to help make this happen has been just phenomenal. And so just to finish the question about how did my connection with Richard Stanley, thus began the dance between myself and Richard. Okay. And so I would go back to the board and they'd say, well, would he sell it to us? But we had no money. And Richard, who I'm very fond of, said, you know, great, you want to buy the theater, show me the money. And no matter what we said... I'm, I'm shocked that you would hear that from Richard Stanley. <laughs> well... <laughs> Shrewd businessman. He is. He's a businessman first, yeah. last, and always. And as long as you know that... And I, I should add, when I, when I brought up the production that we did at New Stage, New Stage was upstairs from the Beacon, which Correct. was the, the other theater that, uh, right. that Richard and he, owned. He was my landlord then. Right. So, um, so many ties. Right. And so because I had booked upstairs at the Triplex live um, shows, I got to know Richard fairly well during that period. But when this period came up of having no money and yet wanting to buy the theater because the more everybody got involved, the more everybody realized the community needs to own this and this needs to be a nonprofit. And so it was uh, two weeks after that first meeting, I was actually in Europe, in Venice and Vienna, and I was, Richard was in Puerto Vallarta, and we were having these conversations from Europe down to Mexico a couple times a week while I was away, trying to persuade him not to sell to anyone else but to give us a chance. And in great tribute to Richard, he kept saying, okay, but what's the plan? I mean, where's the money coming from? And what's beautiful is that he kept the conversation going. And eventually, Cinema Lab walked away for a variety of reasons. And then Richard very nicely ended up holding the mortgage for us at a very, very fair rate of interest for the next five years. So we feel a lot of gratitude to him for having done that. And now we own a theater. And Ben, what was your reaction when you, uh, you heard that the theater might go out of business? <laughs> Sadness was the first initial. It, I don't think I even had a, a, a time to really process it. I think that's why I was kind of thinking there. Um, so you grew, you grew up going to the theater? I grew up, yeah, right up the street. I was nine years old when this theater opened. I was here opening weekend. The first date I ever went on with my wife was here. And so it's like I... I, I what movie did you see? 
saw Tree of Life, which is <laughs> heavy duty for a first. Yeah, exactly. And everyone says <laughs> yeah, it's just like the fact that we didn't break up at the end of the movie was a good sign that the <laughs> relationship was meant to last. Um, no, this and I, you know, I, I was saying in that business meeting, and I've, <laughs> I, I said, you know, the triplex changed the course of my life. And I was talking to Richard on the day that we signed the papers, and I, I told him that again. He was like, oh, yeah, I heard you said it. I just kind of thought it was part of the sales pitch. And I was like, no, I, I truly, truly mean that. I, I went to film school, you know, and that's because of the exposure to the independent film that I had coming down to the triplex every weekend. Like, it, it truly just it had an amazing impact on my life and of all my friends, even if they didn't end up in film that being said i probably over index on having film on friends who are in the film industry just and i think because we had something like this in this town that kind of exposed us to what cinema can really be so and now that i'm back and i'm a father and just like that to not have that resource was you know scary that being said i know nikki um and so like i don't think i had time to really even think that there wouldn't be something here because i knew once she was on the case that, that something along these lines would you know we'd get to where we are today so and what was that like, Nikki, when you invited some folks over to your, your living room where all, all great ideas are, are hatched in living rooms? Well, yeah, what was the, the conversation like those first couple of nights? Very quickly, everybody went, and on both days, two separate groups of people went to, we want to save the triplex. We will do whatever it takes. We will volunteer. We will walk the streets, we will picket, we will write letters, you know, we will fundraise, we will do whatever you want. There was an immense amount of enthusiasm. And to be honest, that enthusiasm from the very beginning, from those two separate meetings on the first and second, was so momentous that the momentum itself, I swear, is still going right up until this day. And uh, we had, as you may or may not know, we had a fundraiser, uh, Bring Back the Movies, August 8th, and uh, we sold out within a matter of hours. And it was so gratifying to see all these people who had worked so hard to save the theater there and just clapping and applauding and who could figure singing along with with the actors on stage, the various songs. So it was just, it's been an incredible journey. And what I'm so excited about is everybody's enthusiasm today is the same that it was five months ago. A lot of those folks have become volunteers on the different committees that you mentioned. Absolutely. What, uh, what kinds of roles are people playing? And uh, uh, maybe you could describe a little bit about those different uh, committees and the work that's uh, that's ongoing. Well, first, let me give a shout out to our board. Our board is extraordinary. It's a working board. And everybody, you know, to say that we all work seven days a week is an understatement. Um, I used to think when I ran New Stage that I was working seven days a week, and I was. But this is like, um, you know, I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and I'm at the computer, and at 1 o'clock in the morning I'm like scrolling through the emails that I still hadn't had a chance to get to because there's so many people who want to reach out, be in contact, have ideas, and you don't really want to leave anyone, you know, unaddressed. Uh, So that's just me. Then we have... All the other members of our board, you know, we have Hannah, who was there with me from the very beginning, and she's the vice president. And she was, she's, you know, done an immense amount of work, you know, in development and marketing and getting the word out and meeting with people. And and then, 
Sam, who's our treasurer, Sam Handel, um, terrific, wonderful guy working really hard. Molly Cooper, who's our secretary, working really hard. Um, and we've got, um, you know, John Valenti, as we mentioned, is now on the board, and a woman named Gail Lansky, who's a dynamo, and Steve um, Goodman, who's a retired lawyer, who is, like, saving us every step of the way because there's certain questions that many of us are coming from arts background, and so it's just so great to have this voice of sanity and stability and double-checking everything that we do so that we don't make any mistakes. As far as the committees, I'll let Ben talk about our programming committee, uh, which I happen to be on, like every committee. Yeah, well, we have a programming committee that uh, right now is made up of myself and three board members, including uh, Nikki. We also we work with a booker who was the original um, booker for the theater. We've brought him back, so he's actually helping us establish the relationships with the studios and the distributors. Um, but then we're also in the process of developing an advisory committee for programming, bringing in different members of the communities. We're reaching out to different organizations to you know try to get a, a diverse set of voices and make sure that we're engaged in a conversation with that advisory committee you know, so that it's, it's kind of a two-way street that they give us recommendations. We bounce ideas off of them to make sure that you know the ideas for programming just don't sit with the five of us, that we're really making sure that we are meeting the community's needs. Um, and so, yeah, we're working on right now kind of like our programming calendar for our soft open. Um, we have some, we're trying to do uh, kind of like a, a, like Nikki said, like a best of triplex, kind of like celebrating some of the best films that are, even the, the films that we feel the most passionate about that have shown over the last 28 years at this theater and, and the things that we have those personal connections to and hoping, you know, some that will be our picks, some will be community picks, and then some that, you know, we want to bring people from outside the community into to introduce them and talk about why they love these movies that they saw here in the first place. Um, we're also moving forward on doing like a Pauline Kael retrospective of her favorites as well as the, some of the stuff that she hated, which are considered classics now, and, you know, kind of starting to engage with her legacy there. And for folks who don't know, who, who was Pauline Kael? Pauline Kael is, I mean, was a, a pioneer in film criticism, you know, wrote for The New Yorker for years, and, and just, um, I think if you talk to most critics today, Pauline Kael is the number one influence that they say. It's just kind of like really who reestablished what film criticism could be. Like when New Hollywood was coming into its own, I think Pauline was kind of doing the same thing for film criticism. And we were lucky enough to call her resident of Great Barrington for how many years was she here? Or 20 years? Or? Oh, more than 20 years. Yeah. Oh, probably 30 years, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, she's, I think she plays a really important part really important part in film criticism and in just film history in general. So just finding a way to engage with, with her legacy is a, that's something we wanted to kind of do with the, the early days. And then something we're also exploring um, the, of more hoping that we can work out so that we can book Maestro when it, it comes open, um, you know, since it was shot locally and clearly we'll be telling a story that has a lot of resonance here. Mm -hmm. That's the um, story about uh, uh, Leonard Bernstein. Bernstein. Yep, and that shot on location at Tanglewood. If you watch the trailer, the opening shot is... Bradley Cooper and Carey Mulligan on the on the lawn in front of the shed. So it's just like clearly, you know. Um, uh, and so we want to also try to do some programming celebrating um, Bernstein's film work around that. So on the waterfront, um, on the town, just things that he did the scores for West Side Story um, to kind of accompany that. So that's that's those are the the things we're working on at the moment. Great. And we also have like the fundraising committee, which uh, there's three of us on the board who are on that committee, and plus there's 
Beth uh, Lester Nathan's on it, and Deborah um, Zynick, um, uh, Zoitlik, I'm sorry to pronounce her name, um, is on the committee. And so together, we've been cobbling together, like, how are we going to raise money to, you know, to keep the triplex afloat? Because as we've neglected to mention, there's a lot of renovation, major renovation that has to be done to this theater. And so consequently, in order to do that effectively, we need to get outside money. And so there, we've even gone to hire FDA, Financial Development Agency, and Amherst, who um, uh, stewarded uh, the Pittsfield Y, helped them raise $12 million for their project, and they also did the Berkshire Botanical Gardens, they did the Stockbridge Library. So uh, somebody on our board actually knew them and connected us up. And so they're not writing grants for us, but they're strategizing with us. So that's been a real asset for us because, you know, again, we're a bunch of volunteers. We're trying to save a movie theater and we're all learning like as we're going. Um, so that there's that committee. And I just met with a to be educational committee um, with people who have experience at teaching at Jacob Burns Film Center down in New York and somebody who taught film at NYU and another person on the committee is, um, you know, a board member Molly Cooper who was does teach film at Simon's Rock, but was also Wes Anderson's producer for many years. And then um, another fellow on the committee is a young filmmaker. So we're one thing I think neither Ben and I have stressed yet is the desire to really have multi generations involved yes. and uh, make sure that you know we have the young people as involved. So for our actual programming. Um, advisory board we wanted to have like two students on that board and you know people of diverse background and global majority people so that our boards actually reflect reflect the world at large yeah. and I'll say one last thing about in the effort to try to keep everything very egalitarian is when we had our fundraiser we probably could have sold every seat in the house for $150 but it was a board decision that, you know, we are the theater of the people. So, yes, we have to make extra money, but we don't want to prevent people from coming. So we divide it, I mean, not from coming, but to make sure that equal number of people who maybe couldn't afford $150 could come. So we had divided the ticket sales in half. Half would go to people who paid $50, and half would go to people who paid 150 And so that's kind of the philosophy of the board going forward is, you know, trying to make things affordable when we can give free films or free uh, events for children that we will be doing that. So... So uh, let, let's talk about a couple of things. You mentioned the, uh, the cost of renovations. I know you've described uh, a $1.7 million phase one plan phase one, yes. to acquire the theater, do, I imagine, the first round of renovations and cover some operating expenses. Um, and of that $1.7 million, you've raised 800000 so t talk a little bit a little bit about the the renovation. What's what's planned in this first phase? Where uh, you know people that are supporting this effort, uh, you know, what are they funding? What's uh, what's going to be different when they uh, come through the doors? Yeah. So <laughs> unfortunately for this this first, we're calling it phase one A because there's just going to be so many phases. But um, a lot of this is stuff that you won't necessarily see. 
there's just some some upgrades to the building and to the, like the, the the means of egress and stuff that we really we feel very strongly about doing it right and doing properly, but aren't the most flashy things. That being said, we are going to be you know doing kind of like a, a deep clean and renovation of Theater One. So when it comes back for right now, it's looking like the original seats will still be there. They'll be you know, cleaned up and, and, and as fresh as possible, but you're gonna see an upgraded sound. You're gonna see new wall coverings, new different lighting, and we're even hoping to expand the screen size. Um, you know, with, with digital production, we don't need the masking that was there for the 35 millimeter projection, so we can actually give you a bigger screen size. I really want to make sure that as soon as you walk in, you understand what we've been missing this summer with the theater being closed, just giving you a top-of-the-line theatrical experience um, and, and making sure that we have upgraded our equipment as far as the budget allows. As far as the budget allows. <laughs> yes. is, uh, theater One, is that the large? Uh... Yes, that's that's the largest one. Okay. And so uh, we'll be opening with Theater One and Theater Four, the upstairs theater. Um, but wait, it's called the Triplex. Plus. I, don't know if that was, <laughs> I believe that was Richard's branding work. Is it Triplex or Triplex? I always say triplex. And I always say triplex. It's, okay. It's, but newer people to town all call it triplex. So on our board, there are half the members of the board saying triplex and the other are saying triplex. So. I, I have an idea for merch where it's just we make two different sets of shirts where it's, I pronounce it triplex. <laughs> I pronounce it triplex and just, so you can choose your side. So the, uh, that's, that's interesting. You know, the, this idea of refurbing the... The screening rooms that have uh, theater one that has a large screen. Yeah. Um, you know, in this, you know, the streaming era, and the the challenges that movie theaters are having. Is that one of the things that's important to bring people out to the theater to give them an opportunity to see something on a big screen? Whereas in some cases, the theaters over recent years have, you know, where they used to have one big screen, they're divided up into a, into a bunch of smaller ones. So you know, what is what needs to happen to bring people into the, the theater sort of post-COVID and in the streaming era? Yeah, I mean, I think for experience, it, it comes down to, there's, um, there's a saying in the industry, the three S's, right? Screen, sound, and seats. Like that, that's kind of the core of the experience. But I think it, it's first getting the program it excites people to get them back and just start to re-engage with us and come back to the theater and then remember what it's like and what the difference between seeing a movie in the theater is versus seeing it at home. Because I think it, it can, so often we just think it's like, oh yeah, I have all of the content of all history at my fingertips at any point. I, what, I don't need to go to a theater. But the experience just isn't the same. And I think it comes down to, yes, sound and the screen, but also for me, I know that being in a darkened theater where I do not have the distractions of my life immediately surrounding me, I do not have my dog, I do not have my baby, I do not have my phone, like it's just like actually I give myself over to a movie. and. Not only that, I'm doing it with my community. I'm surrounded by people who are going through the same experience as me. You know, uh, one of my triplex memories involves you, Bill, of just, I don't remember if you remember this, of walking out of a screening of a movie called Never Let Me Go with Keira Knightley and um, Carrie Mulligan and Andrew Garfield. And I had seen it with, with my friend and, and my girlfriend at the time, and we were all crying. We were just sobbing. And then you came out, and you were also sobbing. And we were just like... <laughs> was not. We were just right there. And it just, it was just like, and you were like, uh, yeah, yeah, right? We were like, yeah. yeah right? That's and what just, happened. Yeah. And it's just, but like, you know, so it's like kind of, you know, we're a group of strangers sitting in the dark crying together. Like, you know, it's just... 
I cry at the comedies also. Yeah, of know. course. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one of the things that's going to be really great is that we're actually going to start utilizing the patio. We're going to have tables with umbrellas over there so that people can take their drinks out there or their food, whatever we're serving at the time, and be able to, instead of like what has been happening over the years, you know, before when Allium was still here in Pearls, you could go see a movie and then you could go sit somewhere and talk about that movie. Yeah. But that has kind of disappeared from our landscape at this moment. Hopefully it will come back. But we will have tables out front and that you, we will have beer and wine that we sell right here in the theater. So instead of walking out, which is my experience when I would leave the theater with a couple of friends, is standing there in a semi-dark space in front of the building and trying to discuss the film when everybody had to walk to a car in a different direction. Mm -hmm. This way, we're going to have, you know, like tables that you could sit down and share our our actual um, theater space, lobby space itself. It, it's going to be almost more like a living room so that people with sofas, that people can come in and sort of like while they're waiting, have this whole feeling like you're kind of a, you're home away from home so that people can continue the conversation instead of having it in the second the movie's over. Yeah, exactly. So that people can all cry together, Bill. <laughs> like one of, the, one of the things what we're saying in the program committee is that like every screening is the start of a conversation and we want to be a place to capture that conversation for you to, to talk to the people that you just saw the movie with and, and really what it meant and digest it. And you've talked about other kinds of events with, uh, you know, uh, sound like talkbacks with directors. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Describe what what you have in mind. What what might might be possible for for those kinds of uh, those yeah. kinds of events. I mean, we live in such a amazingly artistic community with so many people who have experience in the film industry. Um, so, and we've already you know tapped into that a little bit with our bring back the movie events, and just we've we've had so much support. Um, so we're hoping to have it be a, a regular feature to kind of like to have, you know, people come talk about the movies that they worked on and really have that as an educational service for the community. People really understand what it means to work in the film industry. You know, it's like, so outside of even just having actors and directors roles that you probably understand a little bit better, you may be getting like a, a script supervisor or, you know, a production manager or just like someone who's like... Production of, accountant. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, <laughs> uh, one, of, one of my friends who, who has been volunteering with us is a locations manager, just like the role that, you know, that that plays so much work goes into making a movie like it just it, you don't really realize it until you sit down and break it down but it's thousands of people sometimes when you're working on a single production and they're all playing a unique role and i, I think it's really it, it's a great resource to great opportunity to educate people so they understand the work and the craft that goes into every part of making the movies that you see and hopefully to be an inspiration to, to anyone who's like looking to to you know a younger audience member who might be looking at this to, to set the course of their life and have a resource so they understand what's available and what it actually means to work in the film industry, which is a tumultuous industry at the moment. So. You know, it's been really interesting when you said, uh, when Ben just said that, you know, we live in an artistic community and it's very rich with people that we could draw upon. What has surprised me since I, we've started this is if you want to get in touch with somebody, then somebody in this community knows somebody who knows somebody who knows that person. Yep. We have never not been able to get a hold of anyone we wanted to get a hold of if we put it out there. It's kind of magical in a way. We have great confidence that we're going to have some dynamic talkbacks after the films. Yep. 
And the, uh, the patio setup that you described, is that phase one, phase 1A? That's probably phase 1C or whatever that. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's some, if you walk on the patio, you'll see there's some work to be done on it before we, I think we're ready to fully utilize it to the way that we want to. So that's something, you know, it's in the planning stages now, but when we'll actually, we'll probably have to raise a little bit more money, to yeah. say the least. Right. Right. It's interesting because I was thinking, you know, I was in Barcelona a couple of years ago and it was so nice to be able to sit outside, you know, at tables at 11 o'clock at night, mm -hmm. 1130 at night. It just there was a sense of conviviality in the town. And I picture that for here. But then somebody on our board, Gail, had said, well, why stop in the summer? Let's put the heaters up like everybody did during COVID. And after a movie, somebody can go out and maybe have a little bite to eat and have something to drink while they're talking. And I thought, yeah, right. You know, unless the snow is like really 10 feet deep, there's no reason why we couldn't continue on in the wintertime having outdoor conversations and make it very a la Berkshire. There's, it's also, I mean, like, it's this patio, I think it's just like, it's it's truly one of the only open spaces we have in downtown. You know, I've seen it just being here working in the office these last few weeks. You know, people stop. They have conversations here. They train their dogs here. There's their regular dog training class that, that comes out. In the patio. <laughs> you know, I've seen, you know, people teaching their kids to ride their bikes. And it's just like, it's, 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 it is a resource. And we really want to lean in, as we said before. Being a part of the community, I think that kind of engaging with our physical space as well is going to be a big part of that strategy. And how about a question? I'm sure a lot of people asked when they saw the uh, there was a photograph you shared of the was it the old popcorn machine? Yes, in being the, uh, carted away. <laughs> what? Uh, you know, lots of theaters are upgrading their amenities, their their offerings. What What are you considering for food and beverage? Yeah, uh, yeah, we are we are looking to expand our concessions, like the core. Candy, popcorn, soda, we know people love that and they have strong feelings on that. That is not going anywhere. That is definitely, you'll be able to. Sour Patch it. Kids? Sour Patch Kids will be on the menu. Whew. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's, it's you know, talking about our artistic community, we also have an amazing culinary and agricultural community as well. And so we want to be a partner for that and find ways to bring local providers and bring their products into their concessions and expand what it what you can get from a movie theater concessions plus it's kind of you know it's just like i know it's we're in the age of plus but finding a way to make it as such a unique great barrington southern berkshire experience too that it's like we are going to be the movie theater of the southern berkshires and we want our concessions to reflect that are there any models i know we've been uh discussed a couple of the other theaters in the area that are nonprofits. Are there other theaters you know, elsewhere in the country that uh, are models for different parts of what you want to do that are you're doing it well? Yeah. Like I said, I've been researching and reaching out and trying to establish these connections. As an avid moviegoer who has lived here and, and in other parts of the country, I, I'm a person who, when I travel, I go to the local movie theater. I go to the local art house. I, I just, I, I love experiencing kind of, I feel like that's a great way to actually understand part of the culture of the city that I'm visiting because I do think it's a good reflection of the people and then what they actually engage with on a daily basis. Some of the ones that we've been looking to both for programming and membership and branding and just kind of inspiration. If you go down to New York, it's the film form, obviously, is like the classic of leading the field for 40 years now as in their current spot of just being 
the leader in art house and repertory programming. And so we're drawing some inspiration from there, but also some, there's like kind of a newer generation rising up at theaters like Nighthawk and Metrograph and Alamo, which is a, a nationwide chain, just really finding ways to come up with really fun, engaging kind of programs. What kinds of things do they do? So it's, it can be a, a mix of things. They're really leaning into celebrating stuff like everything's seen at Film Forum. You know, you kind of assume is kind of considered, you would feel comfortable probably calling it a classic. You know, it's just like that there's a, there's a kind of taste. Everything at these other theaters, maybe, you know, it's classic, but uh, maybe not. Uh, it definitely wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Let's put it that kindly. That's kind of like a celebration of the, like, of genre fare, uh, you know, of getting prints of stuff that it's really hard to find and is not necessarily a good movie, but a very fun movie and a fun movie to see with a crowd of people. I don't know if we we're going to go that far with our programming. You know, I don't know <laughs> if we necessarily have the audience, but still just to, like having really celebrating all facets of cinema. I think you're seeing that in programming right now. And so for us, it's knowing that we have so many different demographics here and people with different tastes. It's We're not going to be able to do it some, you know, f for everyone, but we're going to try to get as many people in here as possible. Like, I really feel like this is a democratic place and that we can kind of, you know, we'll still have the Oscar season stuff that you kind of come to expect from the triplex, but like, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, you know, sing-alongs and kind of things where you might, I've been to, I once got forced to do some short form improv and ahead of a screening of a movie, which I, I'm not looking to replicate here, but still, like, <laughs> there are ways to think outside the box um, that um, I, I think we can really bring in um you know uh, there's a great series that that nighthawk does where they kind of like reconsider this where it's like movies that maybe we don't think of as being great so they ask you to come in and the audience votes so like is it a masterpiece or is it a mess just kind of like different ways to really start that conversation and i am hoping to do that here as well or our programming community is currently working on different ideas to i would come to see the ben elliott short form uh, improv <laughs> before almost almost any theater um, you know and having done you know years ago done some performing in uh in theater four is there uh, is that in the mix as well that you might do other kinds of events with the the space that's absolutely available? i've already been approached by a couple of uh theater companies who would want to do like stage readings upstairs in theater four we we haven't gone down that path too much so far but you know having actually programmed that in the past, I have a very good eye to what we could or could not do up there. So that, I think, would be really, uh, definitely we'll be doing some live moth-type stories and stage readings, etc. Yeah, so. I mean, I think upstairs especially, really, there's an intimacy to that theater that really lends itself to a lot of those kind of productions. And I think we have the availability to do some kind of multimedia. Like I, one thing I would love to do down the line, it's like a live score to a silent film, something like that, just kind of really. I remember seeing Napoleon in New York City, Radio City Musical with a live score. Yeah. Um, it's a fantastic experience, and yeah, you can do it with wild. You know, small band. Yeah. There's 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 artists out there doing kind of new scores for silent films. It's it's a really exciting space, and I hope that mm. we can find a way to bring that. And also, with, we haven't really talked this through yet, but having special screenings for children where they might even all get dressed up yeah. and come here and you know be able to, a prize for everyone. Each one could wear a costume to their favorite film. So trying to think about what's fun for everyone, not just those of us who love 
art films, but actually, you know, what do the children want? What are the teenagers? What's going to bring them back in? And actually talking to teenagers and hopefully having the conversation with Railroad Street Youth Project soon. What do they see that would bring more teenagers to really try to network with the entire community? What would you like to see here? And how can we make that happen? Which is a different approach than a lot of places take. You know, it's usually like, this is what we're offering you. But because we feel we are a grassroots community-owned theater, that part of our mission is to work with the community. And I also really hope that that the brand that we established, too, that if we program something that you have never heard of, you still trust our vision and our taste enough that you're willing to give it a try that you'll come in and just know that we put the care and the thought to everything we're putting up on screen here. Unless it's something we really think is worth celebrating, we're not going to program it here. So like that, that's a big part of it. So, And what are the, the economics of all these uh, these kinds of things? I know some theaters, you know, the Beacon a number of years ago, they went to the, the much more luxurious motorized chairs and uh, re- reflected in, in pricing there. You know, what, what should people expect with these different kinds of events? You know, will you be overhauling the theaters in that way? Mm-hmm. You know, what are ticket prices going to be compared to the way they used to be? Yeah, it's, and we're still working out a lot of those details, I would say, as far as the chair conversation goes. Um, one of the words that I think our, one of our board members has used during these kind of early conversations about brand is like a reverence, too. So as, as much as we were engaging in warm and fun, it's like it's still, we want it to feel respectful like that this is a work of art and we're all coming to really you know appreciate this work of art together so we're probably not going to be offering you the full heated recliner experience <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if that's that, that was a deal breaker for you coming back <clears throat> but it's, no heat well, <laughs> but we are working on the plans we will be upgrading the seats to some very nice comfortable seats you know that with that you know have a little bit of give at the very least but you know if a noticeable upgrade on the seats that we have currently but i think still set you up to comfortably watch a movie but not fall asleep that's i've never had a problem with the the, the seats when, when you saw me crying here that time mm-hmm. it was not because of the seats uh, <laughs> Well, you know, that's been, of course, a big discussion. We'd like to do everything like yesterday, but finances do play an important part, and that's why we continually have to fundraise because a lot of people have the erroneous belief, well, we own the triplex, the community owns the triplex now, but they don't realize that we had enough money to put the first year's payment down. We have four more years to go of meeting that nut. And then uh, in addition to that, there are all these things that we want to do to upgrade the theater that are going to cost money. And there's certain um, physical problems with the building that has to have some real serious construction done. So, um, And to, just for context, so the, the building was built 28 years ago. Correct. Um, and has not had any substantial upgrades since then. The the biggest upgrades was in 2005 when Theater 4, so Theater 4 was originally an, an art gallery, I believe, and then it was converted into a theater, and like this office that we're sitting next to right now was actually over where the bathroom is, like there weren't bathrooms up here, and this was a restaurant originally, the space that we're sitting in right now. So it's gone through some different iterations over the years. So that was the biggest one, and this staircase here that you've kind of seen that runs along the windows now was actually curved along the shape of the mezzanine here. You kind of walked up, and so the lobby changed then, but that was really the last time there was a big uh, infrastructure project here. 
So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, what uh, the president of the board uh, keeps bringing up, which is you know fundraising and you know how how to make all of this uh, this happen. So you're entering a broader community of arts nonprofits who are you know based on philanthropic support. How does the triplex fit into that environment in terms of reliance on larger donors? You know, I know a lot of these other nonprofit theaters provide opportunities for membership at different levels to support uh, support we, what's we, happening. We're going to have all of that and more. We will be having memberships. We will be launching a capital campaign very soon with naming rights for the theater, for the lobby. For the theater one, theater two, theater three, theater four, the patio, if anything you can think of, we're going to offer naming rights. The Berkshire Argus Triplex. That sounds... Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. You just give us a million dollars now. Um, On top of that, um, we're going to sell seats like a lot of uh, theaters do um, so people can own a seat. Uh, not that they sit in that every time they come, but that they can say, yes, I bought a seat so they could upgrade their seating in the theater. So that's part of the capital campaign. In addition, we have a grant writer, Andy Reynolds, who has written grants for many of the groups around here. Uh, he's totaled like three and a half million dollars that he's raised for all the various nonprofits in the area. And curiously enough, he used to be in my playwriting class. So I knew that that's what he did for a living. And so when our fundraising committee got together and we started to look at all the grants that we needed to write, and none of us were really professional grant writers, you know, I said, let me see if I can reach out to him, who he now lives in Vermont. And I called him up and I said, Andy, would you be interested in doing this? And to my great surprise, I said, oh, yeah. He's living in St. Johnsbury, Vermont, may I say, up near the Canadian border. He said, oh, yeah, I've been following the triplex along all the time I've been, you know, moved away. So that was like, I thought, yes, this is the right person to write the grant. So as there are grants that are, you know, small grants. Then there are much larger grants, like right uh, now the we have a grant into the Fitzpatrick Trust in Stockbridge, which is for, they only do bricks and mortar, so we're asking them for a certain amount of money to mm-hmm. help with our redoing the theater here, to upgrade it to so it's safe and healthy in the environment. And then there's the Massachusetts Cultural Development, which you can get anywhere is up to like 500000 a million dollars for doing actual bricks and mortar reconstruction in your space and then you've got the grants that you write for the cultural activities you know what is your programming how are you reaching out to children how are you reaching out to a diverse population there's many 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 irons in the fire right now and the fundraising department. So, so uh, you know, other nonprofit theaters, once they have acquired a theater, they've done some renovations, they've done that capital uh, investment. Um, you know, how, how does the, uh, the you know, going uh, on a year-over-year basis, you know, how much philanthropic support do they need? How much revenue comes from operations? How does that balance play out? Well, I mean, I'll start it, and then I would sure. love for you to take over. I just want to say that, you know, all total, you know, are, as you heard, our first um, phase is 1.7 million. So we expect this to be probably in five phases. So we need to fundraise probably very heavily for the next two, three years to get everything done to bring this up to 2024 standards. Having said that, once we get it to that place, 
then we will continue to fundraise. But that's when Ben's projections that this theater will be self-sufficient and be able to support itself by its ticket intake kicks in. So if you want to speak about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, ben. so many of the things that we, we've been talking about are, are part of our plan to diversify our revenue streams. So adjusting the ticket prices to make sure that we're at the sweet spot for where we need to be to be profitable. Like, you know, we, we, this, it's a nonprofit, but this is a business. And we have to make sure that we're being responsible in our operations. But that being said, having a robust membership program, and, you know, it's going to be a huge part of our, our model moving forward. And just really, I think that's going to be the best way for people to give to the theater on kind of a smaller scale and then get something really valuable back. And I'm really dedicated to making sure that it's like you, you understand why you're becoming a member and that there's constant value baked into that membership and that you feel like you're a part of the larger triplex community when you are a member the concessions that we talked about just like that that is where movie theaters traditionally make their money when actual ticket sales we ought, we have to split with the studios and those splits are usually pretty severely on the studio side so our money is going to come as concessions getting creative making sure that the concessions are as much of an attraction sometimes as the movies themselves like that's that big part of the strategy and then on the development side it's outside of needing full donors those business partnerships that we were talking about having sponsors for our programming series and, and finding creative ways to partner with different businesses to bring them in that's going to be a huge part of it of making sure that we're sustainable um we're selling slides selling. too for all the local businesses that's in, in the <clears throat> before the movie starts to right run. Exactly. yeah exactly which is a yeah, big source of revenue part of the pre-show and just you know kind of creating like corporate memberships you know so that like they kind of ways to like work with them and if there's a if they ever have an idea of if you own a business in great barrington or Berkshire and you have an idea for a programming series we would love to talk to you and just like that you want to sponsor we'll put your name on it and just but that those are the core ways that we're looking to make sure that we are successful and if all goes well when after you get this question many times a day <laughs> when uh, sleep too just dream <laughs> what uh yeah what would be best case for for that reopen of some kind a soft open you said uh, are, we are shooting for a soft over in a soft open in mid-november that is, that is we are currently on track you know that is we're got our schedule in place that being said i think we have all worked on build outs of, of different projects before we know that those can shift so we're, we're trying to stay flexible but that is what we're shooting for and with that in mind we are starting like i said to get the licenses in place to actually have the programming and then you know i think you came in as we were meeting with a vendor today it's like we're getting the pieces in place um we're really hoping to have the soft open in the late fall and then be at full operations for the holidays. That's the hope right now, just because we know how important the movie-going experience is for people at the holiday corridor. Um, and I, I know for me, some of my best memories are seeing movies with my family over the holidays. So we just we really want to be there. You know, it, it hurt to not be able to have people here during the summer, which is such a you know the other kind of big traditional season. So. Being back for the holidays is a really important goal for us. And for folks who want to get involved, I know they can go to your website. Um, yes, they would just go to our website. There, our email is right there, and they can just you know write to us, and then we will get back to them within a day. Yep. And um, the triplex.org. Yes, the triplex.org. Yep. Yeah. And um, info at the triplex.org. If you have any questions uh, and want to learn more about how you can be involved, that's the best place to get in touch with us. Great. We're well, looking forward to opening night. 
<laughs> well, we expect you there, Bill. Get, get some sleep. <laughs> Try. That was Nikki Wilson and Ben Elliott from the Triplex Movie Theater in Great Barrington. And this has been a podcast of the Berkshire Argus. Find more at berkshireargus.com. Important stories fully told. This is Bill Shine.